Good morning. My name is Caitlin Shan, and as Pastor Tim said, I am currently the Interim Director of Women's Ministries and loving it. And um, thanks to many words of encouragement, also currently going through ordination with ECO. So this may be my first sermon here, but it's not my first sermon. I was about six years old when I gave my first sermon. (laughs) I had this little cassette player. No, I'm not too young to remember cassettes. And it had this little microphone attached to it, which you could record yourself on. Uh, Recently, a few years ago, I found that cassette and had the privilege of listening to it. Amidst my many renditions of this little light of mine was a sermon. Funny enough, my first sermon at six years old was on the woman caught in adultery, which (laughs) I look back and wonder what in the world did I think that was, but I knew she did something wrong. So part of my sermon went like this. In my very passionate preacher voice, I said, Jesus told her to go and sin no more. And you know what? I don't think she ever sinned again. (laughs) So obviously my understanding of the pervasive nature of sin has changed, which we're going to get into today. But my desire to teach the Bible hasn't. All this to say, this has been a long time coming. So when Pastor Tim graciously asked me to preach, he received a very resounding yes. So I am incredibly grateful to be here with you opening God's word together. Before we dive into our passage, let's go to our God in prayer. Father, speak through me this morning. Open our minds and our hearts to what you want to say to us. Be in our midst. May we hear from you, our good shepherd. May we lean into you this morning and feel your presence. Amen. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, began with a divine doing. In the beginning, God made. Here in the fourth gospel, we begin with a divine being. In the beginning, was. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Jesus, his most personal Word, God has spoken to us in the most human way possible. Through Jesus, God's innermost heart is seen in his deeds that are as profound as his words. Through Jesus, we experience and come to know God himself. You can't know God except through Christ. Not that you can't know anything about God, but to know him, we need Jesus. So we are in the middle of this series called Epiphany. Each week we've been looking at one I am statement that enlarges our vision of the greatness of Christ. Today we look at I am the good shepherd. And I'm truly thankful that this is the I am statement that I have the privilege of sharing with you. Because this I am statement is special. It is so personal. 
The relationship between a shepherd and his sheep is an intimate relationship. Through this I am statement, Jesus is telling us not only what he does for us, but how he feels about us and why he does what he does. So let's read this passage. Please, if you are able, stand with me as we read the scripture. John 10, verses 11 through 15, says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. You may be seated. So my first point this morning is very simply, we are sheep. Human beings are called sheep in the Bible more than 400 times. This is not a compliment. (laughs) Sheep are defenseless, slow, weak, and looking at those little legs and big body, not at all nimble. Perhaps the most helpful, helpless of all animals. They can't find food for themselves. If they do find food, they eat it down to the roots, leaving nothing to grow back later. Talk about short-sighted. Sheep are subject to many nasty pests. They regularly need to be thrown into strong chemicals to rid them of lice, ticks, and worms. They can't defend themselves, and they're always getting hurt and sick because they are foolish. They go to dangerous places, and they eat unsafe things. They are utterly helpless and utterly foolish. If you let most animals loose, they will either go wild or come back, but sheep do neither. They follow each other and lose their direction in ways like no other animal does. Sheep lose their direction continually. They cannot find their way back to the sheepfold, even if it is in plain sight. And they are obstinate. Even when you find the lost sheep, it's difficult to round them up. The shepherd would have to seize the sheep, cast it down, tie its legs together, and throw it over his shoulder to carry it home. What a wonderful picture of the human race, right? And I know we can't fully grab hold of this picture because how often do we come in contact with sheep today? So if this picture isn't enough, here is another. Many of you know that I have a 10-month-old daughter. She is absolutely the cutest and most fun baby. I'm not biased at all. But wow, having a 10-month-old is exhausting. She is crawling all over the place and everything Everything goes in her mouth, which is super fun during a pandemic, let me tell you. We have had to baby-proof everything. I took her to her nine-month appointment, and her pediatrician asks me, did I baby-proof the house? I said, oh, yes, of course we have. She says, okay, so you've locked all your cabinets shut. I said, yes. She says, okay, so you put 
little covers over the light sockets. I said, yes. You've sealed your toilet. No. <laughs> she, it is unbelievable the amount of things that she will get into. We can have toys all over the place, but somehow she'll crawl up to whatever it is that she doesn't, that we don't want her to get into. Cords, dog food, you name it, she'll find it. I think too often we forget the reality of our human nature. We start to think that we know what we're doing and we can do it on our own, but we can't. Left to our own devices, we will get into things that are dangerous for us. We will get lost. We just can't find our way. So we are sheep. What better picture exists of our desperate need for a shepherd? We, we consume things that are bad for our souls. We put our hope in the wrong things all the time. We don't recognize the truth on our own. We go to unsafe places. We can't find our way to God, even if it's in clear view. That is the reality of our sin. That is the reality of our state without a shepherd. Psalm 100 verse three, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I think we have to start here because unless we fully embrace our state as helpless sheep, we won't accept our desperate need for a shepherd. So last week we heard from Pastor Tim about how Jesus is the gate for the sheep. This is a radical statement. In a world that too often pushes Jesus into the periphery, here he is setting himself unmistakably at the center. When Christ died, the curtain in the temple was torn in two. The barrier was removed. Now we have access to God through the work of Christ. He is the door to the inner sanctum. In the early church, to explain how Christ can be both the gate that we approach and also the shepherd who approaches us, Chrysostom commented, in that he introduces us to the Father, he is the door, in that he takes care of us, he is our shepherd. So to recap where we are now, we are sheep. Jesus is the gate but he's also our good shepherd who takes care of us. Today, I would then like to focus in on three truths about Jesus as our good shepherd. He gives, he protects, and he knows. So let's start with our first point. Our good shepherd gives. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The key deed of Jesus's mission is his laying down of his life for the sheep. Dale Bruner says that it is, the, it, is, it is as though the substitutionary act is the single most defining characteristic of his I am person. One gets the impression that meditation upon it, upon this life-giving act, fact, and person could be the single most helpful way for the people of God to know God better and to know his love for the world more fully. So if we read on in the passage, verse 17 says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life 
only to take it up again. Jesus loves us so much that he not only lays down his life for us, but he takes it back up again in order to lead us. And what an incredible truth that the Father loves the Son all the more for loving us. One commentary pointed out that there have been thousands of sheep sacrificed for their shepherds, but here is a surprising reversal as the shepherd himself is sacrificed for the sheep. You see, the, that amazing truth is what we remember as we take communion today. Our shepherd became a sacrificial lamb himself. He laid down his life for, in the place of, his sheep. He became our sacrificial lamb. He would lose everything rather than see his sheep perish. Keller in his sermon on this passage points out that never before has there been a stronger affirmation of any person's value than this. Jesus looks at us. He sees something infinitely precious and he dies for us. Right after a statement about our imbecility, we are sheep, there is a statement about our value. So that brings me to our next point. Our good shepherd protects. Verse 12 of our passage, it says, The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. So when the wolf comes, when the sheep are helpless, when they can't cope on their own or escape on their own, when death comes, I need the shepherd who faces the wolf for me, the shepherd who gives himself. Genesis 4 verse 7 but if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Sin is a crouching wolf ready to have you. It will come after you because remember we are sheep. Our natural inclination is towards sin. So no other shepherd will come between you and the sin and evil that desires to have you except for Jesus. No one else can do this for you only your good shepherd. He stands between us and the wolf and he allows it to take him in our place. Can we trust a shepherd like that? Jesus is not the hired hand. He invites us to trust and seek his leadership alone. The very title hired hand gives the impression that the person is in the work more for the money and personal benefits than for the care of the sheep. Now in the Bible, the main metaphor for leadership is shepherds. Let's look at Ezekiel 34 for a moment, which talks about this. In Ezekiel 34, there is an indictment against the leaders of Israel. Verse two says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who take care only of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? Here in Ezekiel, we get an outline of bad leadership, taking care of yourselves instead of the flock. Selfishness is seen to be the heart of bad leadership. 
But this passage is a devastating one. Those who should have looked after God's people are so wrapped up in themselves that they have neglected and even abused God's people. They don't take care of the flock. Instead, they're feeding off of them. So what is the solution offered for this poor leadership in Ezekiel? It is astounding. God says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they are scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. He goes on to tell them what he will do. I will gather them. I will pasture them. I will tend them. And then verse 15. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. So what is the answer to this bad leadership, this selfish leadership? Astonishingly, God himself will step in and be their shepherd. We should be in awe of this. The only solution is the intervention of the divine into human history. In John 10, then, when Jesus stands up and says to everyone that he is the good shepherd, he is saying, I am the sovereign Lord of Ezekiel 34. Human leaders have failed you. They do not care for the flock like they should. Instead, they feed off of them. So I, the sovereign Lord, have stepped in to tend my flock, to bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. That is what Jesus did for us. So when all other leaders prove to be hired hands, we have a shepherd who stepped in, who searched us out, who rescues us, pastures us, binds us up, and brings justice. That is the God we serve. This brings us to the final point about our good shepherd. He knows. Our good shepherd knows his sheep. Verses 14 through 15, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. The language here shifts from pasture and field to sheepfold and home. This is the language of friendship, of intimacy. And remember from John 1.1, we read of the close relationship that Jesus shares with the Father. But now he goes on to say, he shares a comparable relationship with his sheep. Kenneth Bailey in his book on the Good Shepherd puts it this way, the close personal relationship of the father and son in the heart of God then is a model for the close personal relationship between the Good Shepherd and his sheep because of the cross. This is astounding, he says, because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, 
We, the believing community, are drawn into the heart of the good shepherd who himself dwells within the very heart of God. He knows his sheep. He doesn't know of them. He doesn't know about them. He knows them. This is the relationship that we were all made for. In this relationship, we find life. It has an intimacy about it that we can't share with anyone else. And this intimacy is both frightening and desperately fulfilling. Keller says that one of the greatest dilemmas of the human condition is that if we feel if anyone completely knows us, we will be despised, and so we hide. Think back to the garden. The eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, and so they made coverings for themselves. We all desperately desire to be known, but we're also so afraid of truly being known. Isn't this what we all search for? Doesn't this truth explain so much about our whole life? We look for this relationship sometimes with our spouse, but no other relationship can fulfill this need. Sometimes we look for this in friends, in parents, in our jobs, but none of it fulfills us. Jesus, as our good shepherd, truly sees us. He sees every mistake we have made and every one we will ever make. He sees every little detail about us. He knows us. He knows our desperate failings as sheep and he lays down his life for us. Isaiah 40 verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the gentle shepherd that we serve. The Christian hope then is the relationship that we share with our good shepherd. This is the relationship that we were all made for. So our good shepherd is one who gives. He lays down his life for the sheep. He looks at us and he sees something infinitely precious and he dies for us. Our good shepherd is one who protects. As sheep, we're helpless and we're foolish in every way. We are vulnerable to outside predators. However, we have a shepherd who made himself vulnerable in our place. He stood between us and the wolf and he allowed it to take him in our stead. Finally, our good shepherd knows us intimately, completely, the only one who can fulfill that desperate need within us. So to bring this passage to a close, I ask you, can you trust a shepherd like this? And if you did fully trust him, how would your life look different Pastor Betsy actually spoke on Psalm 23 at Bible study not too long ago. And she asked us these questions. Is the Lord my shepherd? Or am I trying to be my own shepherd? Do I know the rest that comes from belonging to him? What does my life say about the kind of shepherd that God is? This passage challenges us because we are called to trust Jesus as our shepherd. 
one that we rely on completely. There's a reason that he used this analogy to describe our relationship with him. He is not the rancher and we are the horses because without a rancher, horses go wild. Without a shepherd, sheep die. We need him so much more than we think we do. A shepherd is not a partner. They fully take care of you. You put yourself in their arms and you trust totally in their control. That very act should give us rest like no other. We too often try to be our own shepherd. We fool ourselves into thinking we're up for the job and it is exhausting. Instead, let's lean back into the arms of the shepherd who searches us out the one who brings us into pasture, who tends us, who guides us, and who leads us. If we lived our life truly in light of this, how would it change us as we left this room? How would it affect our prayer life? Would we be praying only when we find the time, or would we be crying out to him all throughout our day? So today, Let's grab hold of the embarrassing fact that we are sheep. Left to our own devices, we would be lost and helpless. That truth reminds us of just how much we need our shepherd. We need him when we make decisions. We need his constant guidance. We need to be in constant communication with him or we will be lost. Sometimes that means we need him to cast us down tie our legs together and throw us over his shoulder and carry us back to the pen. Not always easy, sometimes painful, but in the end necessary. Our shepherd went to great lengths for us because we are priceless to him. Let's lean into him all the more. Let's not allow our prayer life to just be scattered throughout our week whenever we aren't busy or when we sit down for a meal, but allow it to lead and guide us throughout our day. I am the good shepherd. This profound I am statement should radically affect us. It tells us not only what he does for us, but how he feels about us and why he does what he does. So through this epiphany series, we are gazing into Christ and thereby enlarging our vision of the greatness of him. So let's do that today. And as we go about our week, let's gaze into the face of Jesus, who incredibly stepped in to shepherd his own people. And thank goodness he did.